The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. Welcome to Deconstructing Pronatalism. My name is Lenora Fay. I am one of the co-founders of Child Free Media. And joining me today is Lore. And Lore, who are you? Oh, you're muted. Hi, I'm Lore. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, yes. Um, I'm a child-free TikToker. I'm also a writer. Um, and I have been studying holes behavior for a very, very long time. Can you speak up just a little tiny bit? Oh, I am. <laughs> I'm a child-free TikToker. Um, I'm a writer and I've been studying uh, cult behavior for a very, very long time. I've actually helped some, met multiple people get out of fundamentalism. So I have a lot of experience with deconstruction. And I have personally gone through deconstruction kind of without realizing it, to be honest. Uh, again, I was born and raised into a cult, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but let, let's, okay, so this this is an interesting take on pronatalism. We're going to go through some definitions, and Laura's going to introduce kind of the structure. Now, again, keep in mind, this is being recorded. This is going on podcast form. So we, we have four sections planned in the conversation today, and uh, you will see visuals here. Um, so we'll, we'll walk through everything and there's going to be a lot of information shared that may be new to some to some of you and it's going to be potentially going like what the heck again we, we welcome comments and questions and in between segments we will acknowledge the audience and, and answer what we can this now keep in mind this is our personal experience these are our opinions so you know um we're not here saying this is exactly what is so keep that in mind now, Lore, <laughs> like, where do we start? Um, do you... So I want to start, let's um, bring up the slides. I would like to first introduce what pronatalism is, because one okay. thing that I have learned, um, I moderate a couple of child-free groups on Facebook, and one thing that I have really learned is that a lot of even child-free people don't actually know about the term pronatalism. So um, what is pronatalism? Pronatalism is the societal, institutional, and social structures that encourage us to have children. Um, and when we talk about pronatalism, we're not just, I mean, part of the reason why your grandma will be like, oh, well, you don't want to have kids. What's wrong with you? That is pronatalism. It is not the act of her asking you. It is the social, institutional, and societal structures that have caused her to be socialized into thinking that way. Um, this is kind of a new term. Uh, the first time I actually heard it was Laura Carroll's Baby Matrix. Um, but it's been going on in academic circles for a very, very long time, especially within feminist theory. And actually, Margaret Atwood mentions it in The Handmaid's Tale. And I remember reading it for the first time when I was in like high school and not knowing what that word meant. Um, it was something that we didn't really talk about. And so um, pronatalism is just the idea that you know, it hurts mothers, it hurts child-free people, it, it even probably hurts fathers. Just with this idea that you have to be a parent and you have to be the best of the best parent or else in our society you hold less worth. So, 
you had mentioned something about, you know, it may affect fathers. Can we address that for a second? We had talked about, you know. So um... <laughs> I definitely think that when we're talking about pronatalism, we're, we're talking about it affecting women a lot more. Um, and not to say that child-free men don't go through bingos, that child-free men don't go through the same things. However, you know, when I've had partners who are child-free and they tell their family that they're child-free, it's kind of like, a, <laughs> boys will be boys. Right. But when I tell people I'm child-free and start talking about it, it's child-free women are terrible. They all hate children. They're all so toxic. We get a lot more pushback. Mm -hmm. um, not to mention that in the United States, women's bodies are under attack. Um, men don't have to sacrifice their bodies. They don't have to go through the same dangers that motherhood precludes. Um, and a lot of times, a lot of the things that I hear from moms is that men can be fathers and still pretty much retain their identity that they had before they became fathers, mm -hmm. um, which probably also means that they're bad partners. But again, pronatalism tells us that the mother is what's responsible or who's responsible for taking care of the child. Right. So again, so keeping in mind what we're exploring today, and I'm going to use the term, the word exploring, because th this is essentially what it is. We're going to be showing you uh, the bite model, and Laura will explain that in a little bit. And again, keep in mind, we are two cis females here. Uh, we have experienced a lot. And so our point of view is from that, just that. So, you know, we have all genders watching, contributing. Again, your thoughts are always welcome. Your rebuttals are always welcome. Keep in mind, this is our point of view on it. So there's, again, information that's going to be shared that you may go, what? But we will go through that. Um, okay, so you had a second definition mm -hmm. that you wanted to show, did you? Okay, uh, and I have, to, I have to be the one that directs this, okay. Well, actually, I think I can change. Can you it. do it now? But you have to bring. Oh it up. no, that's the first one. Okay, that's behavior. Behavior. You've you got to bring it up before okay. I can control it. Is it up? Do we do we want to go right into this one? Oh, yeah. there we let's, go. Okay, let's got bring it. this up because then I think we can introduce it better once we have a working definition of deconstruction. So, gotcha. What is deconstruction? It's the process of rethinking harmful indoctrinated beliefs. We really hear this when we're talking about the ex-evangelical, ex-fundamentalist Christian movement. Mm -hmm. Although this is a common term when you're talking about deconstructing and deprogramming from cults. Deconstruction and deprogramming, to me, are very similar things. Um, we are going to be using the BITE model today. Um, for those of you who don't know who he is, uh, the BITE model was developed by Dr. Stephen Hassan. He is an ex-Mooney, which is a Christian cult. Um, and when he left the cult, he devoted his life to helping people deconstruct. He created this BITE model. And in the past couple of years, people have been using the BITE model to deconstruct some pretty strange things, things that we wouldn't think of as cults, right? So I had written an article called The Cult of Pronatalism probably a year, a year and a half ago now. <laughs> that was so long ago. Um, and it really, I, I looked at pronatalism as a cultish or cult-like phenomenon. Um, we hear about the bite model when we're talking about QAnon. We hear the bite model when we're talking about multi-level marketing companies, uh, CrossFit, things like that, um, that really, really use these techniques that cults use in order to control how you're thinking and your behavior. Um, 
so if any of you have seen the Luba Rich documentary on Netflix, Stephen Hassan is featured in that. If after this you want to go see who he is, um, his latest book is called The Cult of Trump. Um, <laughs> of course it is. Yes, this is a very American thing. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest. Americans love cults. I don't know what it is about us. We we need to feel like we belong because we live in such an individualistic cult culture, I, I think. That's my theory. Um, <laughs> I will also be using elements of feminist theory. And when I say feminist theory, I do not mean things that I'm, I see on social media. I mean, like, theory, theory. Um, so it'll be an interesting conversation because there is a lot of talk within feminism about motherhood um, and even with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, there's been a lot of talk about how this is hurting mothers when it's actually quite frankly a direct attack on the child-free lifestyle. So again, looking at the title of our segment, Deconstructing Pronatalism, we are exploring the idea that pronatalism is a cult. So cultish, cultish. <laughs> oh, that—that's the disclaimer at Amanda Montel. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think that when with us going through this process, this is a very good book. If anybody wants it, um, I have to read that. I have to read that. I, I think that you know, with us going through this information and talking about deconstruction, I think it might be up to our audience to decide whether they think it's a cult or not. Good idea. And All right, audience, right the onus is on you. It. I mean, okay, so okay, let, let's talk a little bit about our background before we start going into the behavior behavioral control section. So, um, as some of you know, I was born and raised into a, in a cult. Um, I'm in Alberta, Canada, born and raised Alberta, in Alberta. Um, originally from the north, now living in the south. Um, I will not say what cult it is because my dad still belongs. Technically, he's he, I, I don't think he will ever completely leave. Um, he's very cool with me not belonging and my brother. He's very supportive, and we don't talk about it. But he's still involved, and I do have some friends who are kind of in it, and it's very complicated. But um, just out of respect, I won't say what. But if anyone does want to know, message me privately, and I will give you all the details. So I'm going to uh, share my personal experience, and as a parallel to how I see pronatalism being uh, cult-ish as well. I, I guess I won't say it's a cult. <laughs> some of you know my personal feelings on on pronatalism anyway, um, or parenthood, I should say. Um so that will be my stance. Laura is going to take the more, I'm going to say, academic approach to it. Is that fair? Uh, well, yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. I've been in school for 25 years. I am no longer capable of any kind of non-academic <laughs> analysis. But, but you know what? When you get to my age, that may change. Believe it or not, there's a significant age difference between the two of us. So, yeah, I mean, you know, um, you never know. We're both millennials, though. We are. That's, that's important. I'm the old millennial. I'm the youngest, literally the cutoff here. Um, the the set cutoff year. I've heard people say millennials go all the way down to ninety nine, um, mm. but I'm the the last one that everyone kind okay. of accepts as gotcha. still being a millennial. Um, I'm yeah. the beginning of ninety six. So I, I remember I just... when I didn't have a computer. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I remember life before Wi Fi. Um, all right, so let's let's go into the first uh, section. And again, reminder: please feel free to share your thoughts, opinions, whatever. We're not an echo chamber. We do have Rebecca behind the scenes working troll patrol. Um, but feel free to. And and in between segments, we will address the audience, so we will not ignore you. But you know, and again, reminder: this is going on podcast form. So if you uh, there, there's potential that your comments will be read, uh, your questions will be read, and that is going to be. This is all public, so it will be. Uh, also part of the podcast. 
Um, Rebecca, behind this, <laughs> I can see her backstage. If you want to remind the audience how to ask the question, feel free to put that in chat. Okay, so we're going to go through the first uh, section, behavioral control, and let's get started. This is the fun part. Okay. All right. So the bite model basically breaks down into four different subsections. And so what we're going to do is take those separate subsections and we're gonna go through all of the points. Um, so I want to give a disclaimer that we did cut some things off of behavioral control because they were not relevant um, and they were a little bit brutal. Uh, most cults don't even, I would say like 90, 80% like of them don't follow what we saw. So they were a lot the brutal. To let's, keep let's... it a little bit more, um, you know, suitable for yeah. audiences. Although I wouldn't say that this podcast is suitable for children. I had to make that joke. <laughs> Um, fair enough. So behavioral control, this is all about, um, you know, when we talk about this and we talk about evangelicals and, and purity culture and stuff, I think that's the best way that I can subscribe can say, like, if I was in a fundamentalist church, what I'm wearing right now would not fly. Same. Um, Cause you know, the boobies are out and everything. Yeah. Um, so when we're talking about behavioral control, we're talking about things like that, like your behaviors, not necessarily your motivations or your thoughts behind the behaviors, but things that you do. And even if a lot of the times with behavioral control, it's like, even if you're questioning, you're still going through these behaviors and like, you're not letting anyone know because mm -hmm. you're still doing these behaviors. So yeah. Number one, regulate an individual's physical reality. All right. So how does pronatalism fit into this? I would say, you know, we are taught from a very young age that we get periods and our uteruses are for making babies. Mm -hmm. I had to learn that at 10. When I got my Maybe. period at 10, I was told, oh, you're a woman now. Why was mm -hmm. I a woman at 10? Because my body could then carry a baby or potentially make a baby. Yeah. Um, and I think that we're taught everything around how we behave as young girls, especially those of us who got our periods very early, which is actually very common in women who have endometriosis and PCOS, by the way. So we're taking women who already have probably are way more likely to have reproductive health issues. Those things are actually sometimes activated by trauma. Um, and we're telling these young girls who already have a higher chance of a having health issues be being through trauma that, oh, your physical reality is that you can make a baby now. Yeah. To me, I mean, that that speaks volumes because for me, I developed really early. Uh, I had a teen body by the time I was 10. I had an adult body by the time I was 12. And again, growing up the way I did, I was appearance like you you had to hide yourself. Like I was, you know, always in a dress. I mean, I'm still always in a dress, but like it, it was... It was it was it was confusing because there's the you know I didn't grow up in a in a compound we were in the real world but I was taught like you have to you can't draw attention to yourself which anyone who knows me goes well that's not Lenora but <laughs> like so so first of all the physical side of things having an adult body at a young age and then also having this religious dogma piled on you that you are wrong because you're attracting attention and that's out of your control. You know, I think of just the struggle it was for me to just maneuver through childhood looking the way I did and being objectified and being at the same time taught that anything 
about your appearance is going to send you directly to hell. Like it's just, it's, it was a lot. It was a lot. So when I think of, you know, pronatalism, um, help me out here, Laura, because I have to toggle between like my experience and then <laughs> what the point of our conversation is. Well, so I can tell you that when I, I did not, I grew up in conservatism, which I think is a cult, but mm. not, it's not a religious cult, right? You can be conservative without being super religious. Yeah. But I can remember, I think it's just how society is because I can remember I was the same way as short girls. You only grow as a woman two years after you get your period. That explains it. That's so why I got I'm my period in the beginning of being 10. And by the time I was 12, my mom kept buying me like bigger shoes, bigger clothes because she thought mm -hmm. I was going to grow. I didn't grow after that. Right. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's us short girls usually did go through. I mean, obviously, that's not the case all around, but most women I know who are my height, I'm 5'2", mm -hmm. or, like, around my height, actually. My mom's 5'4". She had the same thing. She was 5'4 yeah, at yeah. 12, right? So I think, you know, I can remember my friends were wearing bikinis because my friends were all, like, ended up way taller than me. Mm -hmm. I was taller than all of them, and so I came back the summer, like, after 7th, sixth grade, and 7th grade, I was, like, the short one, right? I know. I'm <laughs> Broke my heart. So, my friends are all super skinny, super, you know, looked like little girls. And they were mm -hmm. wearing bikinis. I can remember the day my mom told me I had to wear a whole piece to the pool. And I, mm -hmm. I had sensory issues. I still, to this day, will only wear whole pieces if they're, like, cutouts. I will. I do not like whole pieces. Like, it's, it's weird to me. I don't, like... Mm -hmm. It just feels weird, sensory issues. Um, and I remember, like, not even wanting to go to the pool because I asked her why, and she said, well, the men are going to look at you. But that means yeah, it's okay. a societal problem because these men were not all conservative or were not all in religious cults or were not all whatever. She just literally could not trust that older men would not look at my 12-year-old body and see it as fertile. Yeah. You know, and, and this this is this is something that I've pushed out of my mind so many times, you know, over the years. And because it's, 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 it's still kind of uncomfortable to talk about, to be honest. Um, but putting myself back in that 12 year old state, the confusion again, because sexuality is not something that is discussed. It's just, it's just wrong. Like you're not supposed to act on it. We're taught about impulses. Like, again, this is my experience from birth. We're taught all the things that are wrong. And, you know, when you are a female and, you know, it's just, just that expectation. I mean, basically, you know, we would go to, we'd have these summer conventions and basically it's people looking for wives and husbands, right? So, um, oh, there's, there's sound on your end there. But yeah, and so. Like, That's so wild to me that like you, the people are like 15, like looking for wives and husbands. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's scary. When you are like, I remember when I moved down here, I was 12, again, fully developed, I remember we had we had our summer convention because it was not that far from where I live now. And I had like all these guys that were like graduated from high school and I I didn't understand what was happening as far and nothing like uh, for the record I've never been abused, never had anything of like that, but I was getting a lot of attention and I did not understand what was happening because no one ex you don't explain that even though I went to school, but you just you have to learn how to compartmentalize just for your own sanity. Or at least that was my experience. And so I was going like, what's happening? And then the word got out that I was actually 12 years old. <laughs> so I was like, because I'm 12, I'm going into seventh grade, like, leave me alone. Um, and, and so it was, it was, a bit, it was a bit confusing. But, you know, I think of, 
of just that's the, already the mindset. Like I, this particular cult does not say you have to have X amount of children, but the expectation is you are going to marry and you people look, if you can only have sex through marriage, you are going to marry like as soon as possible. So, and, and here's the thing, this is, this is pronatalism. This is again, this, from my experience, religious based, but when you're in that environment, no one explains things to you. You're not allowed to talk about it. There's no freedom to talk about it. I wasn't really allowed to have friends from school. So I heard things on the playground, but like, how to, like, you know, here's me at nine reading the dictionary, trying to figure out what things are or going to the library, reading books, because I didn't know how else to do this. Cause you know, we weren't allowed to watch TV or watch movies or anything like that. And then you're, you get to that certain point, like you go through puberty and then you're there and it's like, everything's flying at you. And you're like, what do you do with this? And you know, it's just because it's so ingrained that this is your life trajectory, especially being female. You are like, I had conversations on the playground. What are you going to name your kids? I remember asking my brother who has two children, by the way, he's younger than I am. I said, did you ever have those conversations on the playground with your friends? He's like, uh, no, we just played. I'm like, from, from a little kid, as a little girl, this is the conversations that you would have with other little girls. Like, okay, we're going to get married. We're going to have kids and they're going to be named this and that. And it was just, it was automatic. I knew that I didn't want that, but I just assumed it was going to happen. So you can't tell me that pronatalism is not, does not exist or that it's not like, it, it is behavioral control because my, you know, there's the, the societal, um, expectations there's that feeling you're groomed from such a young age that this is what you're going to do but i'm really stubborn and i had a an idea that there was more life beyond where where i lived i grew up in a very tiny town of 2000 people in northern alberta that's in the middle of nowhere and i wasn't raised around family or anything and you know i just i, I there was that calling in me from a very young age that there was something else out there for me but there was nothing in my actual life that would support that. Luckily, my mom put me in piano at a very young age. And so that was my ticket out. I developed a way out. But but I just had that fight in me from, from birth, really, that I had to fight to get out from my circumstances. So, you know, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, pronatalism was not a term I, I knew until recently. And now when I look back at how I was raised, and the conversations I had with other people my age is like, it's just everywhere. And and it does affect your physical reality because you, you don't think about it until you're kind of moved through it, you know? But even today, it's still still that way. You're muted, Laura. Again. That reminds me of a conversation that I actually had with someone once. Um, I, I, I said something like, oh, like, you know, like your daughter might grow up and be child free. And she said, oh, but she likes baby dolls. What little girl doesn't like baby dolls because we're giving them the, f I played with baby dolls. Yep. I would literally, okay. So when I was a kid, I would literally play house and then I would pretend to be a working mom. <laughs> like my favorite thing yeah. to play when I was playing house was like, I dropped my kid off at daycare. And like, <laughs> that should have been, that should have been a sign right away. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Like, whenever awesome. I was a little girl and we'd have those conversations, I would imagine my life, but I would imagine like my the babysitter coming to watch my kids and me and my yeah. husband going out because I think I've been pretty clear. Like I, I I used to have a problem with marriage until I deconstructed and realized like if I had a partner who was worthy of me, which how many men are, let's be honest. I'm joking. <laughs> but true, kind of not. There's a few um, out there. 
you know, uh, um, God, I hope, God, I hope my man's not watching. <laughs> Did you kick him out of the house yet? <laughs> um, I we'll edit that later if he's watching replays. <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> um, but you know, I used to like, imagine like, oh, like, and then I started when I was a little, like, I would fake that I wanted a husband too. Cause I don't think, I, I think I've been clear about this. I knew I was attracted to women at such a young age, but like when, when girls would be like, Oh, like what, what boy do you have a crush on? I think I told you, I would always be like Johnny Depp, <laughs> even though I didn't, but like, it was like, okay, here's a famous actor who like every woman and their mom wants to sleep with. So like, yeah, this is going to be the dude for me like yeah. right Johnny Depp so, back in the day I'm not sure I would back in the day now, not but... today no but like <laughs> I, this was the early 2000s this was okay. like secret window era like the peak of his <laughs> career right like Jack Sparrow Fair had enough. just graced us for the first time right um and I literally remember lying like that because like when you're like five like back in the 2000s and early 90s like nobody was even talking about like gay families and I had yeah. a friend who was adopted from China by two moms and I had asked my mom like why does why does she have two moms and my mom said they're just good friends who adopted a baby okay so I didn't know mm. her moms were lesbians until I was like 12 and saw them kiss each other and I was like oh you can do that and then right. I kissed the girl by Katy Perry came out and I was like I'm not weird but I think it's like we just literally and that's where compulsory heterosexuality comes from too it's the same place that pronatalism is it's like we, we can we, we just deconstruct that three-year-old's hands and then say oh they're going to be such a good mom one day because they like playing with this baby doll i'm like i grabbed yeah. my baby doll by the head and swung it around like that's like what do you mean just because i liked it but when that's the only thing that you have to play with or that you're given to play with it's yeah. like of course you like it you're a kid and you're just gonna play with whatever I, and then you know, my mom bought me my first set of Hot Wheels. I was in heaven. I'm so happy I had a brother and not a, not a sister. Like, I'm the oldest. I just have one brother. And also, by the way, audience, we're deconstructing pronatalism, but Laura and I are going to be deconstructing marriage, sexuality, and a whole bunch of other stuff, I think, by the time this conversation Well, I think it's all connected, um, too. It is all connected. Because, like, what, to your point about, you know, the, the, the heteronormative narrative, Brianna, you'll be proud of me for saying that now, um, and, and that, and that's, that's my, like, I identify as queer, I'm bisexual, but, or probably pansexual at this point, because definitions have changed, there was no pansexual when I came out type of thing. Um, but that's very complicated in, in, in a, in a lot of ways. And again, that's something I'm still working through my, not, not, and I don't mean working through as in, um, fixing anything. I'm fine with it. I'm comfortable with it. But it's deconstructing, like, what does that mean? Because, of course, I was always told, well, one day you'll meet a man. I meet lots of men, whatever. Like, I like men. But it's just, it's, I, I was always scared. And this comes back, we have to go through 12 more. But back to the, the physical reality. Oh, God, this, guys, in for, you are in for a freaking marathon. We knew this. We knew this. But, but back to the physical reality, like, it got to the point where, like, I was a boy crazy kid, but... The truth is, I wanted to be accepted by guys my age just for me, not because I was a girl. You know what I mean? But how do you explain that when no one, ex when when you're always taught that oh, you're going to meet the man of your dreams, you're going to meet this person, and then you're going to want to do all these things? And I'm like, look, I'm almost forty years old. I've I've had 
whatever. I've had everything. Well, not marriage, but no, oh, there's something I was going to say, but I'm not going to say it. Um, so, <laughs> you know, like it's, <laughs> I've had well, many I think people. That this, um, is, this plays into the second one, which is dictate right. where, how, and with whom the member lives and associates or isolates. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where are we starting with this one? I'm looking at my or notes. It goes back to the whole husband thing. Yeah. Right, because goes back to the whole nuclear family thing. You are a weirdo if you buy a house with your female best platonic best friend. Yes. And honestly, I have like thought about it. Like one of my friends like told me like if I wasn't married, I would just be like, let's buy a house. Wait, but look, but even we that, think that we have to if you're gonna go like I saw a, a brother and sister pair on TikTok who bought a house together. It would be like you mm -hmm. buying a house with your brother, right? And I know that you no. like to live alone, but just for argument's sake. We were going to do that. When I was by the time I was in kindergarten, my brother and I decided that we were gonna buy like a, a duplex complex. He'd live on one side, I would live on the other. Well, I don't my brother mind that so much because it would be a duplex. Exactly. But no, then my brother decided to have children at the age of 19. So that's okay, well, kind of like done. You know what? He threw off your whole plan and you can He did. He did. <laughs> I, I think because my, my brother was like the one person I was comfortable in this world. Like we we have, we don't live in the same city. We, like I saw him yesterday. We we do a podcast together. We're, we're close, but we are, we live different lives and, and we don't interfere with each other, but we are, we've always had a strong connection. So for me, that was where I found my acceptance, I guess, with, with men was through my brother. Um, so yeah, I, I thought, I well, that'd be brothers, perfect, but, but, but I love both my brothers, but like one of them and, and me are like super close. I think that the, the, we're the opposite. They're older than me. Okay. So, yeah. um, my sister's the younger one. So I'm like the middle child. This is why I'm child free. Cause I have middle child syndrome. <laughs> Well, doesn't explain why I'm child free. I have I'm both. The oldest, but, okay. I somehow both have middle child syndrome and eldest daughter syndrome. Ooh, fine. Go figure. Because they're boys, right? They're boys. Ugh. Boys with yeah. boys. Anyway. And, and, like, no, I can tell, like, my dad's a lot more protective over me than he is with them. Like, my dad, I was at my parents' house, and I had my friend over, who I've known since, like, we went to the same high school, right? Mm -hmm. My dad was like, I have cameras out here near the pool. And I was like, Dad, I'm 26 wow. years old. What are you doing? <laughs> Okay, I, I want to just to start the dictate how, when, and who with, okay, so can we, again, not to make this about parents and children, like, directly, right. but you think about, as child-free people, how we've had to form some sort of community. And again, you know that I hate the word community. Like, I, for me, I'm more of a network than community, because, again, cult survivor, community just gets my alarm bells ringing, but we, we've had, we've had to we've developed spaces we're in spaces where we're you know forming bonds with other child-free people not because we want to disassociate with parents but we need to you know it, it, it's nice to have people who understand your life choice and then if you like we you know i think most of us have friends who are parents and it works you know but there's this whole parental you know what? Child free, it's divide, right? I can tell you the most my feelings have ever been hurt is not from bingos. It's okay. from seeing parents that I'm friends with or close with go, I need more mom friends. Yeah, that hurts. And it makes me feel like, is our friendship not enough? And I know that they mean because they want friends that they can have playdates with, but it's mm -hmm. like the fact that you're like, I need more mom friends instead of just saying, hey, any moms want to set up a playdate. It makes me feel bad because I'm like, am I not enough for you? Am right. I not? 
am I not worthy? Um, and you know, it's like, okay, here's the other thing. I've been going very viral on TikTok for the past three days. Honestly, a lot of the comments are giving me a lot of fuel for this conversation. I'm not gonna like read their usernames or anything, but I, I remember oh, the content. <laughs> no, we're not. You know, I'll, I'll I'll read the usernames of people who are involved in child-free media. That's about it. Um, Fair enough. So, um, also, I cannot imagine the fallback if I was to read the username and actual comment. Um, Wait, look, we just started child-free media. Please don't get like, us shut let's down. Not do that. I take um, it back. I take it back. So, one of the things that you know, a lot of moms were saying is, well, I've, I've been in the child-free Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. Those are private. Those are, those are supposed to be private. Those are supposed to be places where we can vent about our child-free feelings. We, I don't know one child-free person who goes into mom groups. I was in a pregnancy group once when I was actually pregnant. Mm-hmm. We'll be getting into that story. A and I later left the know. minute that that was not going to be a thing anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's weird because it's like they want to dictate that they don't want to be around child free people because we quote unquote hate children, mm -hmm. but they want to go into our spaces. And then they get upset when they see us venting about things. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, this is where, like, like personally, it's, I guess that's partly why I felt the need to continue advocating. I mean, first, it was just kind of a place for me to say something, but you get to different levels in your child-free journey, and, and not everyone is going to be a content creator, not everyone is going to be public with it, but I think initially when I, when I started realizing that I wanted to talk about my choice to not have kids, and it was just a blog, again, I had no audience, I wasn't, you never saw my face, I was not the way I like out the way I am now um but it, it I think of what I used to talk about and it was it was pretty service surfacey to start with because that's you kind of develop a comfort level and getting more deep into it and because that's the more common approach in child-free spaces like I think of reddit and you know any group that happens to be public people just see the surfacey shit which is fine look we need to celebrate what we're doing in life there's nothing wrong with that but the thing is, is people stop at that point. And by people, I mean outside of the child, like out of the child-free community. People look at, at certain things or they see a rant or whatever and they go, ooh, wait, this is what you guys are all like. Okay, done. Yeah, you know? it's like they don't want us to judge all parents. And then they'll see mm -hmm. one child-free person having a bad day going, like, I'm really yeah. frustrated at this. And they'll be mm -hmm. like, oh, I hate all child-free people. Like, you're all yeah. toxic. And that was like the number one comment. But you know what? How many parents are was actually able to talk about child free reddit and talk about the facebook groups with mm -hmm. i also called them out i said well how are you how are you seeing what's in these facebook groups yeah so what was their answer they conveniently did not tell me how they got into the private <laughs> facebook Ooh, they're like well reddit's okay. bad i'm like oh so you're backtracking because you were spying on us and that's yeah. a very again that comes up later encouraging people to like spy on ex-members and we yeah. are ex-natalists here that's our number four um that's our number four yeah you know um, <laughs> yeah, let's I go to three uh when yeah. how and with whom the member has sex oh this <gasps> one's easy if you're a woman in the united states you babies are a punishment for having sex mm -hmm. 
And why you would ever think that it would be good for a child to, to know that they were a punishment for their mother daring to have sex. Yeah. And yet men can just like walk away. Like there's so many men skirting child support and any responsibility. So this one is another one that's really, really focused on the women because, you know, Nick Cannon can knock up five different moms and have 10 kids. But if Mariah yeah. Carey was the one out there with 10 different kids by five different men, oh my God, do you know the media shitstorm that would cause? Look, I... <sighs> I have so much to say, and yet I can't find the words right now um, about this particular thing. So again, this is deconstructing the perinatalism aspect, but also sexuality and just every everything. This this is, I think, one of the biggest things because, again, being female, and I don't, I can't speak to anyone who's had kind of like a normal childhood. But we always have to be on guard and keep it like, look, I live in Canada. I feel relatively safe. I don't get harassed much. I mean, my my first major experience was going to Vegas by myself. And I was like, holy crap, like what's going on here? Um, I, I can be a little naive in certain in areas. Like I just kind of ignore it. But sometimes it's kind of hard to. But but this is a thing like I and I've shared this story before uh, in, in different spaces where I, you know, I. My, my, my defense me mechanism for most of my life, I'm going to say until the age of 26, my defense mechanism was to completely ignore my sexuality. Look, when you're raised, I think, in religion, but especially in an extreme situation, there is no such thing as body positivity. There's no such thing as, as uh, body image. Like, you're, everything is bad. Like, we had to dress a certain way, look a certain way. My appearance right now, which is something that I... Like, look, I'm very comfortable here. This would be putting me in, in the hell category completely because I'm, you know, wearing a wig, got a collar, got boobs, like all of it. And, it, and well, I have nail polish on my toes. So it's like, this is the thing when, when that's what you're taught from, from birth, literally from birth, this is like, you're, there's no conversation. Everything is wrong. And the only reason why you're going to be having sex is to procreate. You get married, you have kids. There's no discussion about sex for pleasure, even within a marriage, at least not how I was brought up, right? So, I mean, and again, like, I, my, my outside influence, like, sources, I guess, were going to read adult books at the library. And by adult mean books, I don't mean porn. I just, you know, I just well. realized that. But, like, my, my, like I, would, I would steal my dad's books he'd get from the library. I have a funny story. I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before. But, um, so, I, I, around the age of 10, that's when I realized I was attracted to women. Um, but I didn't have words for it. But I just knew that I had those feelings. So I remember I was, okay, so this is still in my, my first hometown because I moved a little bit as a kid. And um, I tried to check out one of those like Harlequin romance novels, like the ones where it's the, like, like, the guy with like the bare chest. And the, so yeah, like, so I went to the library, library. And, and you know, like the, the woman, it's like basically how I look right now. <laughs> like, Where's Chanel? We need to talk about Fabio. <laughs> oh no, Chanel, I hope you're watching this at some point. But so I, I, I was, for you, I think it was Fabio. So I saw it and I, I didn't pay attention to the guy at all. I was like, I want that book for the woman. So I, I took it to the, the librarian and she wouldn't let me check it out. She's like, I don't think this is appropriate for you. <laughs> So, so I got to the point where I had to, I would read my dad's books that he brought because 
like I read all the kids books at a young age. And when you don't have a television, like all you have are books. So I was reading adult books by the time I was, you know, grade, whatever, really young, a little too young, because I remember reading sex scenes in books and I could not visualize anything. It was so confusing to My me. My aunt gave but... me the, the True Blood novels when I was like 14. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. Which, okay. no, the novels are a lot cleaner than the show. So like, if you're, if you're like, like good vampire show. fiction, but like the show's mm. a little bit too sexy for you. The novels are better okay. because it's just from Sookie's perspective, but still, there was, like, sex in it, and it goes through Sookie, like, losing her virginity and stuff, and, like, yeah. like of course it was the child, by child-free aunt who did that. She also gave me the, the Anne Rice novels, which they don't really oh, have okay. sex, but there's stuff in there that, like, I probably shouldn't have been reading at, like, yeah. 14. So, so this is the thing, <laughs> like, when, you know, it's, it's just, like, again, ex kind of extreme examples, but no discussion. And, and I... I think I was lucky because I had a child-free aunt. Okay. Who was very open with me about I'm on birth control. Right. I'm trying to get my tubes tied. I knew what a tuba was when I was like 13 because she that's when she got hers. Um, and I honestly cannot, I cannot, I know that we're a little biased here between me and you, but I cannot like underestimate the importance of child-free aunties when it comes to actually being able to have these discussions because mm -hmm. if there was something that i didn't want to tell my mom or ask my mom mm -hmm. guess who i was asking see and that's a really interesting point lore because i was raised away from family now again in context my parents my mother did not uh was not did not have generations in the cult that we were raised in she met my dad in college my dad had three relatives at the time who were involved so this is not a generational thing but by the when my parents met and they were again like 18 19 my dad was uh, an official member and he told my mother i guess that you know in order for them to have any kind of relationship she needed to join so that's how we were raised and because of because neither of them had like their immediate families were not involved we were raised away from that because i do have child free aunts and uncles but i didn't start to really know most of them until i was over the age of 12 so i like again i was not raised on a colony but i was like small town northern alberta the only people i was really allowed to associate with were other people in this cult so i did go to regular school but again, always the outsider because I didn't understand half of what my peers were talking about. But I like, the, and we didn't have internet back then because I'm, you know, almost 40. So like that resources were very limited. There was no, it was just me and my imagination and books at the library, basically, because it, it's, and, and that was done on purpose, which, you know, I mean, I'm cool with my dad now. My mom has since passed, but it took me a long time to be okay with that because it stunted me in a lot of ways, you know, and, yeah, and there's, I, there's still, we'll talk about the effects later. Cause there's things that I still go through that I go, I can't get rid of this thought, <laughs> you know? I, I remember there was a big population or not a big population, but there's a lot of Jehovah's witnesses who mm -hmm. I consider to be cults, a cult yeah. uh, in my elementary school and middle school. Um, and they kind of lived around us, but I remember there was one family and they literally lived in our neighborhood and the girl was not allowed to hang out with me and my friends. Yeah, um, that sounds about right. Neighborhood because mm -hmm. we were not Jehovah's Witnesses. And I yeah. remember kind of like being like, 
Um, I remember someone brought cupcakes in for like a birthday and they're not allowed to celebrate birthdays because they think it's like sinful or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and she didn't know it was a birthday cupcake. And then when everyone started singing happy birthday, she had already eaten the cupcake. This poor girl went to the bathroom and made herself throw it up. Oh, that's so sad. Um, mm. And I really liked her. We were in orchestra together and everything. But like, she just would not, she would never, like, I never saw her. It was weird because all the other neighborhood kids, like, we would see each other outside and stuff. I never saw her and her, and then her brother actually ended up getting a really big crush on my sister, which was funny, but, <laughs> um, yeah, they were the same age as me and my sister, but, like, again, like, I just never, yeah, I, and that one thing about the throwing up the cupcake always sits in my mind. That about, this girl was, like, 12. Yeah. Purging because she yeah. took a well, bite of something that's sinful, like, food exactly, sinful. it's, <laughs> You know, I mean, I I had I don't suffer from from anxiety or depression. Um, I've experienced both, but there's that cloud. Like I left, I my parents put me in therapy and anger management because they thought I was mad. Can't imagine why. Um, and the therapist told my parents that they had to let me have a life, and there were boundaries, of course. Cause I was 15 going on 16. Um, but. You know, I just think, okay, I kind of lost my thought where I was going with this. Um, oh, yeah, that's what it was. So I stopped going to, because there we go to church three times a week, and, and there was no church building. We had it in homes. So I grew up in a house that always had Wednesday night Bible study. And so I was allowed to stop attending. But I will tell you, and then I rejoined after my mom died when I was 22, because, and, and I, I share this, because when it's, when indoctrinated, you're so indoctrinated by things it never leaves you. You can leave. You can leave the community. But there's this cloud of guilt to the point where I would have random panic attacks that, you know, Jesus was going to come. I was going to be in the theater or having sex with somebody or something. Well, mind you, I didn't have started having sex until I was 26. So that's a whole other story. But anyway, uh, with men. Anyway, um, by the way, guys, we just share everything here. So, I mean, most of you know this anyway, so it's not a big deal. Jesus but was going to be like, no, you're... <laughs> I think but, but that cloud is so back to the 12 year old like I mean that cloud never leaves it wasn't until I was 25 that I I, I deconstructed completely so I never worry anymore because I don't believe and, in heaven and hell I mean, so you were even lucky that your parents let you stop attending well they had no choice because they I I mean I had a social worker at this point you also it was, yeah. it was very very bad at this point in my life so right. I mean it's the only time I've been suicidal, and I'm 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 okay sharing that because I I was like, what do I do? I can't live this way, and I'm a very strong-willed person. But when you are, you know, when you're not of age, like you, you know, I I fought, I really did, and I'm a fighter. So um, not physically, but you know, interesting that you said that thing about the social worker because in the U.S., it's like there are foster families who the social workers support them indoctrinating. Uh, Kids, I I got lucky. Interesting. I got you know Canada. I and this is interesting too because I grew up in a, in the U.S. and not even in like the Bible Belt. I lived in the Bible Belt for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I lived in the Bible Belt for a quarter of my life at this point. Wow. <laughs> um, and I'm not anymore. But you know, the absolute culture shock. I got secondhand mm -hmm. guilt when I moved okay. to North Carolina. Because everybody was religious. And by that point, I wasn't, I'm not an atheist anymore, but I was for a very long time. I was a militant atheist too. And the thing is, is that I saw what I 
I mean, I'm not a Christian anymore, right? But mm-hmm. um, I'm a witch. Anyway. <laughs> we- we, we we've got ten minutes in this segment left, technically. Yes. Okay. So through. why don't I why don't I introduce like some these two um, these three next ones are physical, so like all like kind of physical. So why okay. don't I introduce those together? So control types of clothing and hairstyles regulate diet, food, drink, hunger, or fasting, and manipulation and deprivation of sleep. Well, babies do all of that. Sorry. And then there's also like this thing about like moms who are young like you can be a milf when you're old and your kids are grown up then you can be a milf but yeah but you can't be a sexy moms with like babies aren't like you gotta you gotta dress like a mom although instagram tells you otherwise instagram wants to tell you otherwise instagram wants to tell you that uh your body bounces back immediately right after you give birth and um you're allowed to uh one thing that one of me and my one of my mom friends uh that i grew up with um that's really the, the the reason I'm friends with so many moms. I'm really the only one who chose the child-free life out of the people that I grew up with. But uh, one of them says, like, she's like, I've been in these mom groups, and these people are like, my kids are nine months apart. And she's like, ma'am, did you want an infection? Like, she she's one and done. Um, most of my mom friends are one and done. But um, she's like, did you like, give birth and then the, the woman she literally asked the question like she was like um you're supposed to wait six weeks like for your sake and mm-hmm. the woman was like well the hormones were just so strong and i had a c-section so it's fine and she's like ma'am that's not fine you you cannot get like uh-huh. no uh-uh even if you have a c-section that's not safe and like doctors tell you that but then like there's so many women who are wearing it as a badge of pride that they endangered their bodies that like i think social media is actually really detrimental to at least like even reproductive health because doctors don't tell you everything that can go wrong postpartum i'm the one who's telling people like no after you have a c-section after a year if your feeling is not back you need to go get your nerves checked because they probably cut a nerve I had tocophobia and I looked up everything that could go wrong during pregnancy, like when I was pregnant because I thought it would make me feel better. It actually made me feel a lot worse mm-hmm. um, and made my tocophobia 10 times worse, especially after, you know, getting sepsis and everything like that was a problem. But we don't talk about how many women die in the United States. We don't talk about everything that can go wrong. My mom is having surgery that was caused by her giving birth to my sister 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. They don't tell you. See, and that and that's part of the thing. Like, okay, the manipulation and deprivation of sleep. I mean, look, again, baby jokes aside, there's there's this this sentiment that, you know, it's all worth it. At the end of the day, like how many times have we seen mommy blogs or in that just just an observation posts, what have you? Where they're go- where again, it's it's your second. You become secondary. And again, keep in mind, everybody, that we're speaking from cis female point of view. Right. I was going to say I, disclaimer: fathers don't really have that. Experience. Yeah, because this this is something that we have to like as two fe- two cis females here have to consider. Like, and and this is where that whole it's all worth it thing annoys the hell out of me. Because to me, it's not. I have to consider, like, I am fairly healthy. I do have PCOS. It's it's mostly under control, you know. Um, but 
I want to, I want to remain healthy. Like I want to, I want to, you know, have a long life and, and be as healthy as I can be. And, but, but that is considered selfish because I am putting my own needs first based on what I'm taught by society and everywhere else going, well, you know what you're denying, or you, you should deny yourself. You should put yourself in harm's way for the sake of having children. Cause that's what really matters. That's what really counts in life. People were really confused because I was, I was child free. I found your podcast like before everything happened. Um, before you, before, before the pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and I had been vocally child free on Tumblr back in like 2000 and like 15, 16, right. Mm -hmm. I was vocally child free in college. Um, I let the societal pressure get to me. And look what mm -hmm. I got for it. I was 24 hours away from death when I was taken in an ambulance to the hospital. And for my mother, my mother understood immediately. My mother was said, I never want you to get pregnant again. Wow. Because my mother loves me more than she loves grandchildren that may or may not exist. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of older parents don't have that mindset. Correct. Which is terrifying to me. I'm like, you would rather have a grandchild than have your daughter keep living? Yeah. And my mother I, just never wants to go through with that. I cannot imagine, like, because I'm not a mom, but, you know, when my dog got a heart murmur, I was a mess for, you You saw it, I, I was a mess for, and she's fine. She's mm -hmm. just chilling. She's taking a nap right now next to me. Um, but, like, I even get crazy about my animals. I cannot imagine the fear that my mother felt right. when she got that phone call from the hospital. And yeah. the fact of the matter is, a lot of people in my life felt like it was weird. I said, I don't care if I was the most pronatalist, I want to be a mom person in the world. Almost losing my own life could have changed anybody's mind. Mm -hmm. And that was me losing my life for something I didn't even want to do. You know? Wow. And it was like, that's why I talk about the things that can happen to mothers. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but people need informed consent. And that's the thing. Motherhood in America does not come about in a way where you have informed consent. Mm -hmm. You can consent to wanting to be pregnant, but unless it's informed, what do, what is that really doing? That's not safe. That's not healthy for anybody. And also, I found out I had lupus after that. So and that always uh, and you know why that scared me when I met you because my mom died of lupus. I was like, ah, I know you had to scare me, but you, yeah. but I was glad that you shared that with me. Mm -hmm. I have a very mild case of it. I'm not yeah, in do. danger of dying. The worst thing that happens to me is my joints hurt a little bit. I got kidney stones when I was pregnant. I got, I have had kidney infections before, but I'm mm -hmm. not in like a need for, I don't have kidney disease. Right. Yeah. They said, I probably will never get that way as long as I take care of myself. But me getting pregnant again, because people's kidneys shut down from pregnancy without lupus. So it's like me getting pregnant again would just be dumb at this point, I yeah. feel. You know? All right, like, let's let's go through let's the go. list and then we can uh, interact so, um, with the audience a little bit and then go to the next. Financial uh, exploitation, manipulation, or dependence, rest restricts leisure, entertainment, vacation time. <laughs> These seem obvious. These seem... Major so time spent with group indoctrination and rituals and or self-indoctrination, including the internet. To me, that's just baby showers, mommy bloggers, people making money off of their kids. It's like, yes, of course they're showing you how great it is because they're getting a check every month. Mm -hmm. You know, um, permission required for major decisions. 
Well, yeah, people literally, if you're a parent, if you, if your brother, like when his kids were young, like were, I mean, he did drop them off with you for like a couple weeks at a time. But if there's a parent, oh, wait, 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 one one week at a time. <laughs> one week at a time. Couple, that, that's pushing it even for me. And I love being an aunt. But, that's but like, two weeks what I'm saying life. is if a young couple has like young kids and they drop the kids up with their grandparents for a week and like go to Hawaii, people are judging them. You're not allowed to do that right. anymore. This has been a big debate on my TikTok. You're not allowed to get a babysitter anymore. You need the Facebook. One of my mom friends said that you need the clout of being a 24 hours a day parent or else you're not good enough, right? Um Permission required for major decisions. Rewards and punishments used to modify behaviors, both positive and negative. That, to me, is the bingos. Okay. Because if we're child-free and they're bingoing us, that makes us, like, it hurts our feelings. That's a punishment. For sure. Um, discourage individualism. Encourage groupthink. There, I'm sorry, I don't mean, I'm not trying to parent bash, but, like, 50% of parents that I that I interact with on, on who interact with me, who come into my space, that's for child free people and interact with me. Don't use critical thinking skills at all. Like they, they're just like <laughs> kids. They're, they're TikTok, that sounds like TikTok. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know why the TikTok moms are like the Facebook moms. I don't get it nearly as much on like Twitter or anything. Um, no. Impose rigid rules and regulations. Again, that's that whole, you can't even take a break from your kids anymore. You got to take them to the right. bar and throw back shots. And I never thought <laughs> saying you should get a babysitter to throw back shots at the bar would be such a controversial statement, but it really was this week. So It was. I saw that. Yeah, man, you had people up in arms. Um, sorry that I don't believe in child endangerment. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child-free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.